Welcome to our newest episode of our Zing Learning Podcast. Today, we have the absolute pleasure of speaking to one of our favorite clients, the Institution of Mechanical Engineers, and we get to speak to Joe and Bims, who are in the exec team there and who we have been working very closely with for the last 18 months to really help to bring to life the diversity and inclusion strategy with the team, not just the employees, but also the members. We're having a really great chat today about what it's like to really embed a diversity and inclusion strategy and how actually making different changes really genuinely makes a difference to people's lives, not just in work, but also in the outside world as well. If you're looking to implement a diversity and inclusion strategy in your organisation, then grab a cuppa, have a listen and see what you can take away from today's podcast. Hello, uh, Jaren Bims. Welcome to the podcast. Lovely to have you here. Hi, Zoe. Nice to be here. Hi, Zoe. Nice to be here. Thanks. Um, I'm giggling just because before we started recording, we were giggling and we were trying to pull ourselves together. But that's part of the joy of working with amazing people. So just to get our, our listeners to understand the work that we're doing around diversity and inclusion, I want you to tell me a little bit about your experience so far over the last few years to do with diversity and inclusion. So um, whoever wants to go first, please just give us a bit of an insight with regards to your experience with DNI. Well, I think so. It's a, it's a good question and it helps you sort of reflect over the last few years of where we come from and we've achieved to date. I, you know, we started talking around EDNI quite a number of years ago and in, in reflection was a lot of discussion, I think, at the time. And um, we were just kind of get, just like probably the rest of society, getting our heads around the topic, understanding it a little bit more and sort of unpacking EDNI. So we, we began the discussion, the debate, and I think... Uh, Looking back over the last particularly two to three years, we've started to put that into action uh, and make a difference in terms of not only for the institution in terms of staff and our members, but also try to sort of raise our voice in the outside world a little bit more in terms of our our wider societal aims. I think generally EDNI has become a more of a, a talked about topic in society, which has helped us along the way. But certainly, I think if I had to sort of summarise, it's gone from being a theoretical subject into one of of action and experience for us. Excellent. Thanks. Bims, what would you add to that from your experience? Yeah, from a personal perspective, actually, I think um, it's been a really interesting, you know, and always a word that's used quite frequently is journey. But I've gone through, you know, from a personal perspective, and I'm sure Joe can identify with this, a range of emotions, being a person of colour, being female and being in the HR field as well. There are certain things, expectations of you and you're still a human being at the end and you're still impacted by the injustices that you see and the injustices that you have to tolerate. But, you know, lead, alluding to what Joe said, having the opportunity to be part of a different path that everyone's choosing to take together has been humbling. It's been really enabling. And it's also been a, a big field of learning for me. If I'm honest, at times I was very cynical about things. I've been in the whole corporate sphere where it's the tick boxing exercise and the two day course and everything. And actually to see an organization that's prepared to do something different and really live it out has been a really good thing for me. I really agree with Bims on that experience part. 
I think what is what it's taught me and hopefully others is, is about listening, asking questions and listening, and you learn a huge amount um, about the other person or the group of people, which then determines how you behave, how you interact, how you may want to want to manage a team if that's what you do, or be part of a wider group. And that's probably one of the most important things I've learned, um, as opposed to the theory around ED&I, just that experience that Bim's mentioned. Yeah, wow. And it's there were a couple of things that you said there with regards to it not being a box ticking exercise. Yeah. And that's one of my favorite things about working with you. Uh, I guess I'm as a supplier, but I feel more like an employee. Um, I certainly don't feel like an outsider. And, and that's, I think, a really good testament to the culture that's already here. But it definitely doesn't feel like a tick box exercise. And that was a very early conversation that we had when we were discussing the learning element of it, yeah. which is let's do something very tangible here that's really going to affect change. It's really going to make a difference to the employees, to the members' experience, and to, and you've used the word, I think, there, Bims, the human experience mm. as well, which I think we forget in the working world, in our careers, we forget that ultimately we're all humans. There's We're multifaceted, got lots of different things going on in our lives. It's not always about that one project and, and things like that. So, yeah, that was quite interesting. And it's definitely something I've enjoyed with working with you for over a year now, almost a year and a half. Which it's just, been that long already. Yeah, it's, it's, produced, so quick. it's produced such powerful results, mm. literally almost from the beginning. I think people woke up and thought, oh, I can learn something from this conversation. And I'm sure Joe's had this experience as well, where, you know, members particularly, but also staff, even myself has said, oh, I was a bit cynical about this, but I know, you know, it's my responsibility to attend, you know, as a leader. But actually, I'm finding I'm learning and I'm having better conversations with people, with, you know, grandchildren, with family members, with colleagues. And, you know, I'm seeing from my perspective and our position, both Joe and I are seeing where staff are saying, well, we don't need to accept these behaviours anymore. And so our members are also saying that is that mm. we, we should all be valued. And that's really important from the perspective of where we're both coming from. It really changes your uh, perception sometimes of, uh, of a situation um, that you can't learn in a classroom. Um, is there any way I can describe it, perhaps? And uh, I think it 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 might it might sound a bit corny, but it touches if you if you think about it, it touches everything you do. So the way you greet a person at reception, a client who comes to the building, to the way you you perhaps if you get a slightly um, uh, sort of a upset client on an email, how you might respond to that. Just taking that breath of thinking about the other person and the situation creates a different response and I, I think it's very difficult to put as I said put that in a classroom but you can learn it through it, developing experiences through things like the learning program. Mm, yeah and those conversations that you're having and, and it's interesting you bring up um, responding and take a breath because that has been quite a theme hasn't it through some of our conversations rather than reacting we're responding which gives our, our brain a second to um, understand whether it's an objective reaction actually the impact that we have on another person, all of those sorts of things, which is all about feeling valued and, and treating other humans as humans rather than as we, we perceive them to be when we first meet them. 
So the next question that I want to ask is around your experience before Zing came in. You developed an amazing DNI strategy, some really great actions that you needed to do and some really great kind of steps, very clear and concise with um, a really wonderful person called Dr. Mark McBride. So you did some great strategy work there. What have you learned from that process of developing the strategy? So even before the learning came in? It's a really good question. I think the strategy tries to give everyone a common goal, a common purpose, because uh, EDNI can be a, a very noisy place and um, with a number of different agendas in there, with different strengths of feeling, etc. So I think the, the strategy was trying to get everybody whether it's members, staff, volunteers, all on the same page um, to give us a sense of direction. And those who wanted to join that journey with us, um, sort of some tangible actions to, to get there. I think there's always that question in EDI, as we talk about it's good for business and we all know, but there's something in there also where there's an expectation of, so what's the output? What's the outcome from this? How do you measure and the sort of so one of the areas is around data collection. A lot of organizations sort of struggle with this topic. And when does data become meaningful? And then when do you take action on that data? So I think the, the strategies helped us create that common goal. Um, but we're, if we're honest, we're still working around of what does what does success look like? So we have a whole range of activities now um, which are supporting perhaps our KPIs, but in terms of true success. I think that one's still open for debate about what that looks like. How do you how do you measure a really inclusive and diverse organisation? I would agree with Joe that it created a, a common place and a common way forward. However, I feel that it's only text and words mm-hmm. and you have to bring them to life. And I think mm-hmm. we could easily have gone down that trap, fallen into that trap of many organisations of producing a brilliant strategy. And actually you look at it five years later and you think, what we've done with it. Um, It looks great to the outside world. It looks great to our staff, to our members, but what's actually Mm -hmm. happened. And I think for me, actually seeing all the work that sat alongside it, DNI training, the values work has actually brought the strategy Mm -hmm. to life. And you can see, you can see elements of those success along the way. So, so we, we're not there fully and, you know, are you ever there fully, but we can definitely see that we've reached milestones. We can definitely see, and it's, it's, it's hard because a lot of those things are not necessarily tangible. They're not something that's measurable all the time. But what we've created is trust. What we've created is an environment where people are more respectful. And so by default, those other things that are so important, that data, mm-hmm. which is data collection is based on trust. People trust, say, are they ready to give you their data because they trust you? What are you going to do with it? But we're getting to that. And so I think the strategy is really good for keeping us focused. It's really good for actually saying, look where we come from. Also, it's really good because we made a public commitment at the beginning and that makes us accountable. You know, and you know, at times where we feel we might be drifting, we need to go back and look at that and say, what did we commit to do, um, you know, as an organisation? And it's not just about us and the deal. What what's going on elsewhere in the in IMECI? And so from that perspective, I think it's really helpful. But I absolutely believe that with any strategy, you've got to bring it to life. Yeah, I can't agree more. I think that's so important. And the learning programme is those steps to bring yeah. it to life. Um, because we didn't, uh, before that, it was sort of, it was more theoretical. It was flat, wasn't it? Very theoretical, yeah. Yeah, I think that's, that, that's really important. And I think what it did do, 
um, and it felt quite brave at the time, is that it actually rose our head above the parapet on the topic. Yeah, so before, perhaps we were we were a bit more internally focused. And actually, by publishing something, people then sort of knocked on our door and said, hello, here you're interested in EDI, let's chat. And so um, I think that was quite a brave step, it felt like at the time. But it's opened almost a new world to us of an awful lot of organisations, um, both trying to improve uh, the world, if we use our own mission state, improve the world through engineering in, in EDI, but also... Um, perhaps realise there's an awful lot of challenges and when we be in partnership, we can actually do this better. So we've we've, we've found a common ground outside of just engineering, yeah, then which um, which I think is for us is quite has been quite unique. One of my favourite things about working with the IMECI and, and so many different people that I get to meet on the workshops that we run is around that idea that it's not just about what we do at the Omeki, it's about how does that translate out into social impact. And BIMS very early on a moment ago actually said about the children and the nieces and the, the cousins and all of that sort of stuff where it's not actually just helping conversations internally, it's also in our personal lives as well. And I think something there around the conversations that we're having with people and the way in which I'm hearing the shift because this is a program, you know, we're not just scattergunning a few different workshops out there and, and hoping for the best. There's a very specific journey that we're taking people on. We're guiding them through. We know at the start, they're very apprehensive to open up and talk about these things. But you get them a couple of sessions in and already they're sharing some really kind of personal things that we had no idea about. And it's really starting to open up that conversation. And then they're talking about, well, actually, I'm really interested in it. And we get this a lot from the members you know, that they, they want to do some stuff. They want to take some of this learning back to their membership organization. And we're like, yes, please share this. You know, mm -hmm. this isn't supposed to be some secret IMECI thing that we're going to keep to ourselves. The idea here is to, to use the tagline again, improve the world through engineering. Let's also do that in a human aspect. Let's make sure we're having a social impact with the work and the conversations mm -hmm. that we're doing. And it certainly is coming through there. You mentioned the word um, accountable a second ago with regards to having the strategy go out into the public domain and, and having people kind of hold the IMECI accountable for actually doing something with it. Do you think that that is the right way to go if other organisations are listening to this now and thinking they want to go down the same route? Is, would you do that in the same way again? Absolutely. I mean, for me personally, I've always thought, and I think, What's quite unique about our leadership is that we do feel we're accountable, um, not just to our members, but also to our staff, that they look at us, they look to us. It's not about give me, give me, give me. It's more about how can we work better together to provide a, a nurturing environment, a safe place for everyone to get the best out of everyone. And I think that starts with accountability. And I think even when I first started here, one of the things was that I said I'm accountable and Joe was saying it. I remember distinctly a time when Joe talked about how she was accountable, you know, and I think people need to hear that we're not just saying we want to be leaders for leaders sake. We want to say that we're prepared to stick our head above the parapet, as Joe said. And we know that's happened because not everyone responds warmly or welcomes uh, that uh, DNI things or EDI subjects. A lot of people are still still trying to get to grips with it and understanding there's still a great fear around it. And, you know, and that's all fueled by social media or whatever. But I think 
the people that see where we're walking the walk, talking the talk, will understand that there isn't actually anything to fear. It's about us being better versions of ourselves so that when we're at work, whether we're at play, whether we're in our companies, that we are actually able to, to be much more productive, much more fruitful in the, in the, in the things and in our interactions. I think Zoe, in our recent annual report that was produced a couple of months ago, it, was, it felt the first time that the how we did things in the year was as, as important as the what. Yeah. Really. Um, and if in the document itself, the values uh, sit front and centre alongside the business plan, the financial report, etc. And that's a, I get a bit goosebumpy when I talk about it. Yeah, absolutely. It's quite totally a shift yeah. um, to put about, you know, about behaviours, the how, what our reputation and brand wants to be as alongside good financial resilience, you know, meeting the needs of engineers, etc. And it all sits, begins, it's like a piece of a jigsaw, isn't it? It all sort of begins to fit together to create this, as, as Bim said cool. earlier, to be, yeah. be accountable for how we do something as much as what we do. And I think if you think about IMEC, the Institution of Mechanical Engineers, the engineers and ethics is the most important thing. It's, it's engineers can solve the problems of the world, but it's how they do it. You know, is it sustainable? Is, is it sort of ethically the right thing to do? And it sort of sits, it sits nicely all, all in yeah, that picture. I agree. Mm-hmm. I think even international communities mm-hmm. would want to know that we were not, and it's, it's going to sound weird, not look down on them, but actually say, look, we want to do the right thing for you. This is not just a paper exercise because we want your membership. Mm. Actually, we want to recognise and value you for who you are, wherever you are in the world, mm. that we, we do have those common goals that Joe's talked about. Mm. It's really interesting. I had a session with um, with our second cohort a little while ago, maybe a few weeks ago, and it was around um, understanding ED&I and we go through the kind of, we take them at the start of the journey. And, and as you know, because you've been through the sessions yourself. And interestingly, I discussed a little bit of the business case, but reminded people that, you know, that's really important. You know, there's some great stats. 67% of people will consider whether or not to take a role or to join a membership and things like that, considering how effective the DNI work is. So that's huge. That's so different to what it was a few years ago. So we'll go through all of those stats. And I actually had someone on the call say, yeah, no, the, the stats are good, but we shouldn't have to convince people that doing things right for human beings is the right way. And I'm like, absolutely, we shouldn't have to do that. So I love, and we've got some very different mindsets that are coming in. We've got some very different perspectives, some different lived experiences. And, and as you said, Bim's very honestly at the start there, Sometimes people come into this with a, oh, is this is this really going to make a difference? Is this just another DNI thing? Is this just a whatever? Is this going to kind of die in a few weeks kind of thing? And we've had some people that have come into the first sessions and on the feedback forms they've said, I genuinely didn't think that there was any point coming. I did because I thought I should, but actually the conversations that we had have made me realize that I need to learn a lot more about this kind of thing. So people are changing their perceptions of what DNI means, I think, as well as uh, as us just actually learning in general. And I think the way in which the IMECI built the strategy, then built the learning alongside the values and the behaviors, the new ones that have kind of really encompassed what it means to be a member or an employee within the IMECE. You know, this journey just feels so organic and it feels so genuine. And I think that's the feeling that people mm-hmm. are, that's definitely the feeling that people put across in the sessions that they have with me, for sure. I think, Zoe, working with you in Zing Learning, 
it, it's created, a, from my perspective, a different type of learning and training. I sort of maybe thought, you know, in the past, a bit more traditional types. And in, in a number of the workshops I've worked with you on and the others didn't write anything down because it was all about an experience I was going through and what I came away in terms of how I might want to change my behaviours, my thought patterns. When maybe in, in other courses, I'm there scribbling away in a notebook because I'm writing down the theory and it's that, I, I don't know how you, you know, describe that, but that, that translation into, into, I don't know, the learning in a very yeah. different way than it's I would have perhaps learning. done it. Active learning, yeah. yeah. I would agree with Joe because, you know, I'm, you know, being from my position, I'm very used to having someone who did D&I working in the department, etc. So almost you become a little bit complacent and blasé. And to the point where, mm. if I'm honest, even I don't necessarily know, went in with the mindset that I could learn anything new, on, mm. on some subjects and yeah and also because I think well do I know everything about racism because I've been a victim of it but actually going in and listening to someone like Joe's story or someone else's story I'm thinking hey what about my behaviors to someone else it doesn't matter that they don't fit the traditional um, I don't know the traditional framework of what someone that's being discriminated against but they are being discriminated against and it's my biases that are causing that discrimination mm. and that really challenged me even to the point when I think when I'm getting on the tube or the bus or something have I judged someone mm. and it, it did bring back a memory of things where you know it's so easy for us to fall into these biases without even thinking but actually we can be advocates of change because we're stopping and doing that pause that Joe has said. And we could say to someone, well, hey, let's not judge that person like that. Where is that person coming from? How do we give them that sense of belonging so there's less pull and, pull and tugging and pulling? And that I think that's the really powerful things that mm. comes out of the sessions. And I think from day one, we all set out to make it a partnership. And we were very clear mm. on that. We wanted a partnership with Zing Learning. And I think out of everybody, I think, um, Zing did stand out to be that it would be there for the longer term and we would we would fall together on some things and we'd think oh that didn't work so well but we'd go back you wouldn't just carry on regardless because mm. you've got a preset program you know and I feel I think that's the really powerful thing about learning together is that you do learn mm. together you, each child is different and a parent would have to adapt mm. to each child. Yeah. And I think we've done that with your, and we will continue to do it as we go through the different cohorts, because we've talked about making the adjustments for each cohort, because some are in this um, their phase of their life, or some might be in a different phase of their life. But the important thing is, referring back to what Joe said earlier, is that we, we both, we all have the same destination and the same goals. I don't think it's a single goal. Mm. I think it's more than that, because the values is one aspect, how we do our work how we work together. There's so many different aspects, but it's been like this rich tapestry throughout. And I think that's a really powerful thing about learning mm -hmm. and the evaluation of learning. Um, that's really coming out, I think. Because if you think about looking back, that sort of first three, four months at the beginning when we were started to work with Zoe and we, and we put together the early adopters group, and we spent that time thinking how actually, how's this going to work? And looking back in hindsight, that was probably one of the most valuable bits is actually talking to members and, and, and staff and working yeah. with us all to actually how this, how we're going to make sure we achieve what we want. And I think rather than go straight into let's run six courses. <laughs> and I think looking back now, that, that really sort of resonates with what you just yeah. said. Yeah. I think the power of consultation, if you want to use that word mm. or the discussion 
really brings about belonging mm. because it would be easy for you Zoe, to come to the executive or or to hr and say here i've designed a course for you would that do does that fit your strategy mm. does that tick off that mm. and we could go yes and you could deliver it in two days and everyone would be happy because in a year's time the whole organization's been through it but actually it's about the legacy and passing on the baton we've always said that you know we, we have to respect that wonderful rich heritage that we have but we shouldn't be a hostage to it because there are things in there that when you look back would not have allowed a woman to be an engineer would not have allowed a young child to be to dream of being an engineer mm. but that's because of the time at that time but what we have now is someone being able to inspire to go to the schools and say why not why not you why can't you be do do be a mathematician why can't you be an engineer we do i feel that people are more comfortable now saying that and i do believe that's going to be a big payoff in times to come i mean we will be forming partnerships with others and we're saying we can form a partnership with you because we're like-minded and if you want to bring engineers into the world we're ready to look to work with you and to make sure that through membership through staff whatever that we're, we're working together to make to improve this world because it's not just about the physical it's about the social aspects of it as well yeah you know Booms, if we want to be as an institution here in 50 or 100 years time we need to be relevant oh and that's gosh, the perfect yeah. way to be relevant yeah 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 absolutely to the to the humans out there the other humans <laughs> to the other humans absolutely <laughs> yeah that's it um you mentioned the word partnership there and and I know we're all completely agree. There's probably going to be lots of head nods for the listeners. <laughs> we were very clear about that right from the start. And I think it's really interesting because I've definitely had offers of work and clients have come to me and said, oh, can you can you pull this together or can you do this? And I've actually turned them down, which when you're, you know, a relatively small business, relatively new business, that so you, you don't really have that luxury. But I knew, and this comes back to your values and behaviours as well, I knew very early on that what I was trying to achieve with Zing Learning, and I also knew that I needed to be very careful with my values and behaviours and the impact I was having. So the partnership was really important because it helped me to know you as as clients, air quotes there, uh, my employers in, in some way, the way that my team it feels in some way, um, actually were in it for the long haul. You weren't looking for a quick fix. You weren't looking for some silver bullet that was going to fix everything and make the cultural flowers and amazing. You knew that it was going to be hard work. You knew that you were going to have resistance. You knew that you were going to have some people that were so excited about this and wanted to get involved really early on, but you knew it was going to be a journey. So I think that that partnership is something, and that's a big learning for me for for the other organizations that I work with, it's like, please don't think that this one activity or or this, this program is going to do everything that you need it to do. It needs to be much bigger than that. It needs to be a partnership. But also you mentioned the exec there. And in my experience in working with lots of exec on lots of different DNI projects, is that you know the four of you are so engaged with this you're also so different as well which is really <laughs> that's very true so, so, so different yeah which is great because then you've got diversity of thought in the exec and that really shows through in the way that we're working on this project in the way that you support each other but the conversations are so genuine and I've had some really great comments from other people that have attended sessions after one of you have been on there and you've been very vulnerable and, and shared something about your own experience 
And they have just felt so much more connected to the exec because of that. And we all know that that's a really big challenge in most organizations. So I think that for me, that's been one of the best ways that we've been able to see the change that we've been able to see is because you're all not just on board, but you're leading this. It's not just it's not just words, it's actions. And people are feeling that. I, I would agree with that. But I think, you know, we can't not give credit to our trustees as well. And, you know, just even our new president and our former one who've really said, you know, like Joe said, our new president put it up there in his presidential speech. Mm. It's never been done before to put it right at the forefront that we're a values-driven organisation. And I think that will mean a lot to people, whether it's new committee members or new volunteer members or new staff, that we are, it's not just a glossy page, you know, it, it is really saying, well, again, they're saying we're accountable for this. You can hold me hold me to account for this. So, but I do think linking everything together, there are so many people that have gained from the experience. I don't know anyone that's walked away and said, I'm a, I'm a worse person for it. <laughs> yeah. I have, I, you know, that, you know, that harmed me in some way attending, you know, it's actually made us more determined. And we know that there's still a lot of work to be done. I don't want us to be complacent. I also do want to say that, you know, maybe clarify something that there is nothing wrong with having a two day course or a two day seminar. And I think it's about context, but and it's also about your culture and where you're coming from, because I think there are some places that may only need that because it can be very thought provoking. I've been on something a half an hour sort of podcasty thing and it just completely blew my mind what I learned on that thing but I think what we were saying is that we knew that there had to be a lot of embedding we knew what we mm. were realistic about where we were coming from and that's from both the staff and the member side and for us the longer term fits us you know and it not only fits us because of who we are as an organization it's because of where we want to be but in different places, it may be something different. I think the important thing is to start, you know, is to start off, take a step of courage, take a step of whatever it is. Some people will be in there with two feet, jumping straight in. Others will mm. dip a toe in. Yeah. yeah, it takes time. And a lot of it is the unknown. You know, where is this taking me? And, you know, I think the powerful thing is, is that we are, you know, many of our members, and we're grateful for many of our members that have also stood up and been very vulnerable mm. in situations where, they may not have been necessarily been comfortable. And I think that's testament to the grounds that you've laid that they feel comfortable. Mm. And, you know, also having a values and uh, a values and behaviours champion, Roy, at that uh, Roy Allen at that time really gave, I really, I think it really gave members some confidence that this can be safe, a safe place to talk about experiences. I think if, if, if I'm being really honest, uh, there was one session in particular I, I I didn't realise I was going to struggle with before it happened. And I'm even now, I haven't quite understood why it was very thought-provoking, very emotional for me. And I probably didn't quite engage as, as I would have in that session as perhaps others. But I do know now when the right time for me, I'll come, I'll come back and have a look at that. And so at some point, um, you know, there will be some topics I might want to revisit. And we've got the, the workbooks, we've got the videos. There's actually, there's, more importantly, what I didn't realise was going to happen is there's trusted spaces. So I can go and talk to other people within the organisation, yeah. members and staff, when or if I feel comfortable at some point doing that. And I didn't realise that was going to be a legacy of this. For me personally, anyway, and yeah, hopefully for others. 
around that, where previously I think I'd had it in a very small group of individuals or perhaps in the Diversity and Inclusion Committee uh, led by Isabel Pollock, where you had that sort of safe space as well. So I think that's interesting. The dialogue can continue, I think, is, is, is one of the legacies in a different way in that yeah. trusted space. Yeah, I think we've always been about the conversation ever since the George Floyd murder when some staff came to us and said, mm. can we start to have conversations? Because it can't go on as it's been before. And I think that was the start of how powerful a conversation can be, mm. you know, but you have to create a safe space for a conversation. And I think that's what you've created for us, that safe space by us doing these workshops, us going back and having the conversations, thinking how we, you know, and we do, we're constantly reinforcing that learning. I think it has created that place that the conversations continue. And as long as you're having conversations, you have the opportunity to grow and to learn from them. So I, I hope that they do continue. Yeah, no, it definitely feels like it's really starting to embed now, which is obviously it's very enjoyable from, from my point of view, because you get to see the, the fruits of your labour, which doesn't happen very often with um, with the work that I do, because I might be with a client for a month or two, it might even be a year, but with us, because it's such a long partnership, I can see the yeah. way in which things are changing, mm-hmm. which is just so rewarding from my part. And I know you both agree with that from your part. Um, you said there, Bims, as well, just before with regards to the George Floyd murder and, and that sparked the conversations. I know there were just kind of focus groups around let's talk yeah, about let's race. Yeah, let's talk about race. That's correct. Um, yeah. And that was obviously pre us learning, pre our programme. So that comment you said much earlier, which is, you know, sometimes just do something, you know, do something rather than nothing. Don't wait for everything to be perfect. Don't wait for a very strategic whatever just do something, listen to your people. And I know you were working on DNI even before that as well. You know, that wasn't the catalyst for you um, to to take DNI seriously. I'm doing that in, in mm-hmm. but it was another thing that you were like, do you know what? Okay, we can't, we can't continue to ignore the elephant in the room, which is that actually maybe we're not as comfortable as we would like to be talking about these things and let's make them a little less taboo, you know? We're experiencing in some way some of these different aspects. And I think if we go back to, you know, the original strategy uh, established and then coming alongside it on new values uh, and all the work there, then there are incidences in the public, the tragedies, the challenges, etc., that maybe spark debate. But I'm, I suppose what I'm trying to say is that we're not doing this for political reason. Yeah, okay. That actually we're doing this because it's at the core of our of our organisation, and on, we're on a long journey. And at times it, it can look like you know, or potentially spin off into a. A political sphere but actually that it's not our cause at all our cause is actually listening to our members and our staff and trying to support them through difficult periods because of our values because of where we want to be with edni and i think that's a, a, a important lesson i've sort of learned across and at times you know i get confused between the two and you're just talking it through centers you again about why you're doing something um and i think that's an important point to make i think that's, i think that's a really good point you make because so often when there is animosity towards DNI, people think there's always a political motive. Mm. And, you know, quite frankly, some of our members think that maybe some of our yeah. staff do too. And they've been quite vocal about that. 
And for me, that's there's a kind of sadness attached to that because actually all we want to be done to be done is treated like humans with and to be have that be valued. And most people at the core actually think, well, there's nothing wrong with that either. So if so, I think you're right, Joe, to say it's not about the political reasons. And it's been well proved, and you've said it yourself, Joe, uh, Zoe, that the diversity of thoughts is so important. But it's more than diversity of thought; it's diversity of who's in the room. Because I remember a certain politician using that word when challenged by a reporter about how many ethnic minorities were in his team. And he was just spluttering away and using the word diversity of thought. I thought, what does that mean? Does that mean you take into account the tea lady, the cleaner? What does that mean? You know, but actually it's who's in the room. And we've all seen it. We've seen fantastic DNI statements on companies. And you go and look at their, their management and leadership. There's no diversity in those teams. So where is this diversity that you're talking about? And yet you mm. can say you have diversity of thought because you've got people at different um, different levels in the organisation. But actually, at the top, you're still the same. You're, you're still the same demographic. So for me personally, it is about what are you really? What is the picture that people see when they step into into the into the building or when when it's online what do they see at meetings who do they see at meetings do they see diversity around the table to in order to have that diversity of thought and for, uh, that's I think is still a challenge it's still we've still got some way to go but that's you know we can't be um uh, we can't be naive about this it does take time you have to do it the right way you yeah. know there are things to respect and there's you know that have to be done but the most important thing is we are seeing aspects of change that have all been very positive, I believe, for the institution. And that, that can only reflect for our membership, it will reflect for our staff. And I think, you know, you said earlier about what does success look like? The, the you know, success for, for staff has been the fact that we've been able to move up in our investors and in people accreditation. That huge amount of that has been down to diversity and down, diversity and inclusion and down, about our values work. There was no doubt three, four years ago, we couldn't even answer a question on it because we didn't have yeah. anything. You know, we just literally couldn't put any questions around that because we didn't have it. So I do think there is success there. We can celebrate where we've come, but we mustn't be complacent about where we could be. I mean, the great thing about IMEC is that we, we innovate with very little sometimes. And I think that's the best way. When we were children, you, you started from something very small before you created whatever contraption you were doing. You know, and that's the power in what do you have available? What can you make out of it? What can someone else add to it? And I think the more we allow others to add, the better we're going to be and the stronger we're going to be and the more relevant we're going to be. Mm, relevant's a good word. Joe. you've mentioned a couple of times the word um, reflection and that what that's done for you, whether it's that you know you're going to reflect in a little bit of time and you've had time for some of the, the content to make more sense in your mind, but also that idea of actually reflecting on how far you've come as an organisation. Yeah, of course, we can't get complacent. There's lots more work to do. But actually, you know, if you think about the, the strategy, pre-strategy, the strategy, the learning, where we're going next, Actually, you know, sometimes I think organisations think they're miles behind and they need to be this, that and the other. But you've reflected and you've gone, wow, we've actually come a really, really long way. Uh, but you're also doing that personally in your own reflection, in your own work and the way in which you're you're challenging your own um, preconceptions and things like that in general and having those conversations. So I think that that's, that's a really good message for other organizations that might be listening to this to take away 
you have to reflect. This is a big part of the learning program, isn't it? We are reflecting on our own personal impact on other people. We are reflecting on the way in which we've experienced things that perhaps we didn't necessarily realise were that bad at the time because we just didn't have the understanding and the knowledge to to comprehend that at that point. I think part of that pause in reflecting is also then ensuring there's a there's that legacy and yeah, by legacy okay. I mean it could be really practical is that that we from an institution we change volunteers every year you know staff come and go over a period of time so it, it we don't want it to be just in the moment yeah. I, I think so part of that reflection is making sure that our communications our materials our behaviors everything it, it reflects on you on new sort of learning uh, so that when we onboard a new person, they understand the new IMECI in a sense, or that a, a new uh, member will come along and they understand from all our literature and our communications, oh, I see where IMECI fits in in the DNI picture or inclusivity. So the reflection bit is, well, as therefore how are we going to improve and keep going, like Bim says, you know, how do we, we're not, we're not finished yet, but it's also to sort of help bring on board the new people in IMECE yeah. um, to create that sense of belonging and the wider things about how we do things as well as what. Yeah, I think as we go further down, and it's really important that we hit the regions, that we look at what's going on at grassroots, because there's mm. some amazing stuff out there. And they probably have no idea what we're doing because we seem so far away. But actually, we're closer than we think in a lot of ways. Mm. And I think you're right. We've got to make those connections and I think the more we do this, the more we, there's a meeting at some point where we think, oh, we are on the same journey together and I want to do more. I want to step up. I'd like to be a volunteer. I'd like to see where I can contribute. And I think that's really important. I think one of our future phrases working with you, Zoe, in Zing Learning is, is around providing a much wider platform of tools and, and mm. communications that, that anyone can access, including the wider membership. And I think that I think uh, that's our inclusion, isn't it? Yeah, really? and yeah. all the different types of communication. So from a from from a podcast to a one pager to a to a booklet to all the different types to make sure that we resonate with a wider audience because everyone learns in different ways. Yeah. So I think part of actually going back to my point about legacy, but also what we're going to do next is actually how do we communicate in the right ways with with the diversity of our of our audience. Yeah, and also not forgetting we're a global institution, so some people Absolutely. are really hard to, to physically reach as well, so making sure that they're included. That's a really um, good point. I love that you're talking a lot about, uh, I've heard the word belonging quite a few times, which makes my heart sing because that's <laughs> a step further than inclusion. We've obviously talked a lot about inclusion, but also it's sounding like, and I know this just from having conversations with you in general, that you understand the concept that diversity, like bringing more diversity into the world of engineering, uh, into the IMECI in general, you know, that's not going to fix things. What that does need to definitely happen, but it needs to happen at the same time as that inclusion work, because what you don't want to do is bringing lots more different people, different backgrounds, different life experiences and plonk them in an organisation, in a membership space, whatever it might be. And they just don't feel comfortable at all. Like they feel so yeah. out of place. So that concept that you're wanting this legacy to continue, you want to make sure these conversations are being had outside of the workshops in general anyway. 
that's what creates inclusion and belonging. And that means then we can bring diversity in and put that at the forefront because we know we're bringing people into a space where they can be themselves. And it's only getting better week on week on week kind of thing. Um, And it's interesting because whenever I speak to a new client, they always say, should I focus on diversity or inclusion first? Which one should I focus on first? Mm-hmm. Um, and I always tell them to, do you know what? Just do it at the same time because you need the diversity to bring that different perspective and, and to bring those additional skills and talents and completely uh, different ways of working perhaps. But also you need to make sure that it's nice for them to come into. You know, nobody wants to go in to their career, to a working world, to membership duties, whatever it is, and feel like they can't speak out, feel like they can't give ideas feel like they can't be themselves and they have to hide versions of themselves to be accepted. It's exhausting. You know, we want people to be able to come and reach their full potential and bring all of themselves into what they do. So I love that we're we're talking about belonging and it's, yeah, it's just really nice if I think about the language we were using 18 months ago and it was very inclusive, but now knowing that we've been for all of these different sessions together, the language you're using is is the language that I would encourage. So yeah, I've, I'm doing some reflecting during this podcast, <laughs> which is really nice. Um, on the theme of reflection then, I'd love to know what you're most proud of so far on this journey. So I'll throw that to whoever can think of an answer first. Gosh, that's a good question. Um... We haven't sat down and reflected like this for some time, have we? So it's quite quite a nice opportunity, uh, Zoe, to, to do it. But um, yeah, we might need to pause for thought for this one. Um, I think I mentioned it before that when we go into, you know, the beginning of the session, you ask us how much we think we know about a certain topic. And, you know, hands up, sometimes I thought, well, I know, you know, I think I'm about an eight or 10 or something. And other times, and, you know, honestly, honestly, at times I felt a bit intimidated by everyone in the room would think because I'm an HR director, I should know everything. And I I don't, you know, even if it's a subject that should be close to me. So I've almost felt like I'm not really sure what I want to put down. And sometimes I have known more than I thought, but other times I haven't. And I think what I'm most proud about now is that actually I don't really care at the beginning of the session if I only know if I, about three I'm going to put three so my confidence has grown that um, I don't have to worry that anyone's going to judge me because they you know because I don't know about a certain subject you know because what it says to me is that I now am comfortable saying that I need to learn more but at other times I thought I knew something but when I came out of the session I actually realized when I went in I was actually lower than the, the, the thing but I think that for me is you know going back to about improving ourselves being honest with ourselves reflection I think I'm actually proud that I can do that. And I hope that even if I go on something else externally, I have that same courage, you know, mm-hmm. to, to do that. Um, because you do kind of get stuck into a kind of thing. It's like, I know everything about privilege or not or whatever, but it's not true at all. We're, we're, and a lot of that learning comes from other people's talking about their experiences, which I think you give a lot of space for in the in the workshops because mm-hmm. you can't knock someone's learned experience. No matter what a textbook says, it is not learned experience. And if someone says, this is how I feel, or this is how I am, or this is what I want to be, then we have to respect that person. And that also brings the belonging element in for me. You know, so um, for me, that's what I, it sounds, it might sound small, but for me, it's a big thing. 
No, it definitely doesn't sound small. And actually, you remember, obviously, um, I'm not going to test you on it right now, but all of those <laughs> key behaviours of an inclusive leader, humility is one of the most important aspects. So for us to kind of think, do you know what? I feel safe. I don't yeah. feel like I'm going to be judged for not being the expert in whatever this um, topic is. But for us to kind of put our hands up and go, do you know what? Let's just figure it out. It doesn't matter if I get it wrong, those sorts of things. And that's a huge shift. And we did, um, I don't know if you remember, we were actually talking about it in the DNI committee the other day, but we did very early on before we started because we wanted to get a level of where people felt they were at with the learning. We asked them to scale themselves against lots of different things like humility and stuff like that. And we gave them statements to choose and, and they could choose one out of three. We know that people have scaled themselves relatively high on some of those. And when they do it again, at the end of their year of, of kind of going through the program, we know that some of them are actually going to score themselves even lower now. Yeah. yeah. That level of humility. And that is progress. It's, mm. It needs narrative around it when you put the data out to people, but that's progress because people are like, oh, okay, I didn't know as much as I thought I knew. So I'm going to go and do some learning. I'm going to get curious about this particular thing. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, for me personally, I think it's, without it sounding, um, things sounded sappy I think it's really inspired my learning of um DNI issues of things that I didn't know even though I knew clearly knew someone being a woman being someone mm. of color or something you know coming not maybe from the background that was necessarily give me that advantage in life but I've come out of each one wanting to know more you know and not so much about textbooks because my learning comes from people, conversations, experiences, and everyone's different, but that's where I learn a lot from. You know, like there's something that Joe said that's going to stay with me all the time, you know, because she, she might not think it's a big deal, but for me, it was a big deal because it really made me challenge myself and my thinking, you know, and I think that's the important thing is that we, you know, that you're inspired when you come out of each session. And most people I know feel I want to do better. I've learned and I want to do it. But they're also saying, I haven't learned it all just because I've been on a workshop now. I haven't, but I know I can do better. And I think that's that's really been enriching. Mm, mm. Thank you. Joe. you've had lots of time to think, but I know you've also been listening because I've been watching you nod and agree with what Bim's is saying. Yeah, it all, it all, it all really resonates. Um, it's an interesting one to, to, to narrow it down into one area for, for me. But there's something around when, when I when I was saying before about when the hairs stand up on your arm, the moments that that gives that moments. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think for me, there's maybe been a couple of those, and I think one is 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 I'm really proud of us as an organisation. And to be, if I'm honest, myself as an individual, on, on occasion where I've actually spoken up mm-hmm. on a topic um, that that perhaps we wouldn't have in, in the past. So that bravery of the organization and at times I've been a little bit braver than I have been in the past uh, to, to, um, to, to speak up about the topic and, and stand by our values that which actually resonate yeah, very well with myself. And it, it's, it's quite emotional when I think about it, you know, it, it sort of means a lot. And I think that's happened not just with myself and as us corporately, but I've seen it in others. Yeah, definitely. And that's just amazing yeah. when you see others feeling the the I suppose the psychological security yeah. to actually have that conversation. And I, I 
couldn't be prouder of that for yeah. the organization and ourselves, you know. And I think going back to your point, Bims, you, you can see that not only in your workspace, but you can see that in your own personal life. Yeah. It, oh, it's so valuable down. in both elements, isn't it? Which I perhaps hadn't appreciated before this uh, learning program. Our joy comes from seeing our staff, how they participate in things, whether it's the team briefing, whether it's sharing personal stories. Um, and this happy space that they create for themselves, seeing them interact with each other, even just over, you know, after a traumatic two years, seeing just seeing the staff in the room talking to each other, talking outside of their own teams. You know, it's, you can see these amazing pictures of real joy. And, you know, you thought, gosh, I wouldn't have thought we'd have seen those two years ago. Mm. And everyone's literally saying, what can I learn about this new person? What can I, how can I make them feel like they belong to Imeki? We saw the other day our CEO put a shout out to a new member and just put it on Teams. We didn't we didn't do things that way before. You waited to the corporate induction and had a nice <laughs> little formal session. But we've all we've all said, well, how can we make other people belong? And other people were, you know, high fiving it or whatever they were doing. But I think it's really great. And you know, I, I do remember someone who started it. I don't think he could believe himself for the first week. He just kept on going around saying, I don't I've never been in an organization like this. I've never been in because he was just meeting people who were going, Hi, welcome on board, etc. But it wasn't, you know, just we're just doing it. They really were saying welcome. And you know, already they're making a mark. So there is a, you know, getting to these people that say it's all sappy and all the rest of it, it isn't. It makes mm. sense to make someone have a sense of belonging and have a sense of value and having a sense they can contribute. And we need to make sure, though, that going back to what Joe said, that we have a wider pool to do it because we don't all, it doesn't need a few people to shoulder the load. It needs all of us to take that on, but have that single, that's why you need a strategy, that's why you need a framework, but to have a goal, you know, where, where are we heading to? Every game has a set of rules, you know, and that's a fact and we do need that. That's why we need our, our values. You know, there are there is a framework in which you can you can really do things. But it is important to have that framework. And it's important that people feel that sense of belonging when they come here. One of the most important things now, it feels like, is taking what we've learned in that framework and embedding it in our long term strategy. Yeah, so for um uh, people will see in, in our on our website etc we're now really building that longer term aspiration over the next you know 5 10 20 years and it's such an important part of this now with our legacy is making sure it's embedded in that long term strategy uh, for the future yeah yeah it's interesting i was um interviewing the leadership group from another organization for some uh, DI audit work that I'm doing for someone else, and I, that was one of the questions. How how do you embed DI into your strategy? And actually, they were very transparent, and they said, "You know what? We don't, we don't at all." But because there's such a lack of awareness, and I think the DI strategy was great to to really start to raise that. But this learning and the conversations and understanding it from a human level has made definitely made a big difference with regards to the way that it's really being brought into that day-to-day -day and that strategy and things like that. I'm really sad to say that we're almost yeah. up of time but before we do leave because you know you know I love talking to you both anyway I just want to ask if you've got any advice that you would give to any other organizations whether they're membership organizations or, or not that would help them to think about how to start to move forward with their DNI efforts. 
I think for, for me, Zoe, looking back over the last few years, um, I'll probably go back to a point I made earlier about if you're on the start of that journey or a little way in it, you spend a bit a bit of time in the planning phase, the learning phase, the consultation phase um, before you start. So get to know how uh, your organisation, all its stakeholders feel around DNI. Almost take the temperature check, I think, uh, around it before you commence because how you do it is so important because listening to all the conversations today, you, you know, the, 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 the programme has worked for so many reasons because of the way we did it. And I think that's really important to know the best way of learning for your organisation and your stakeholders, I think, would be. And that valuable time at the beginning has helped us progress, I think, perhaps maybe quicker than we might have if we'd taken a different learning route. I think that I agree, I agree with you. And I think as an organisation, you've got to have an honest appraisal of who's who's best to start that who's best to facilitate that mm-hmm. so if your organization and you know it's struggling for whatever reasons uh, you might need to bring in someone else to start doing mm-hmm. that consultation and that planning so that there's trust there because we were very fortunate in that our staff and our members did talk to us but mm-hmm. if you don't have that open openness initially you may have to bring in someone to stimulate mm-hmm. it before and before you can even get to that planning stage because you don't know where you want to be until you know where you started from and I think that's that's really important um added to that I think you also have to be honest with yourself and knowing that it's not going to be smooth all the way through um Mm. there will be times it's very uncomfortable for individuals for Mm. for staff perhaps management um but by taking the step you and saying I'm prepared to do it in itself speaks volumes. People will step back and say, what's going to happen? Let's wait and see. You mustn't be knocked by cynicism. You mustn't be knocked by the people that said, oh, you can't do it. Or the people that say, oh, we've tried it before. You have to still be determined to make a difference. So for me, I think added to what Joe said, it's those bits around it that are also important. And to to have someone to talk to if you feel you're struggling with that. But I think if you hold, you have to hold on. It is a, you have to hold on and not think it's a two day wonder thing. Even if, even if your workshop is for two days, you have to wait for change to happen. But what you have to do that embedding, you have to think about a bit wide about what would embedding this do? What, what does it mean we change? Do we start with our newsletter? What are we going to start as visible evidence of, embedding you know so I think to that that all has to come into that planning stage as well and I just add at the end there I'm, I'm thinking who might listen to this this podcast and there are some organizations with large resources some without and mm. I, I think I would say there, there are ways to start the discussion without large resources it's, it's you know yeah. having that that sort of creating safe spaces having the conversations doesn't need to cost money um, it's it's the approach to it which we've talked about. I think so. My advice would be, don't don't worry so much about resource. Just sort of have a think about how you start that conversation within your organisation. Yeah, and use the tools available now. You know mm. we're online so much. You know there we we can get 
so much more inclusive than we used to be before. So that's already a, a little point that they can score off mm-hmm. if they're holding a Zoom meeting with some people that are willing to participate in the mm-hmm. conversation. You know, perhaps they wouldn't have done that before. It might have been the HR team, might have been someone coming to talk to the exec team. Just put it out there. We'd like to have a conversation. And that's that's inclusion from the start. So mm-hmm. that's so you can tick off a little thing and say, I've started. Uh, and we should use everything available to us because you know, it, the opportunities there. I would say to everybody, don't be afraid of it. I, you know, I agree with what Joe said, whether you're small, medium, big organisation, there's an opportunity for mm-hmm. everyone to make. It's not one size fits all, you know, and I, I think that's really important to to say. I think to live by that point in our values, then if anyone listening to this podcast wants any advice, well, we're welcome to speak to them. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. And I imagine that, you know, there's going to be employees and members of the IMECI that are going to listen to this as well. So, um, yeah, I just it's been brilliant. And I'm so glad that we've still got a way to go because it's just been amazing. You know, having the members and the employees working together on this has really made a difference to the way that people are perceiving things as well. So it's been really, really lovely to watch that. And I'm so glad I'm only a third of the way through with cohort two we're not we're not quite finished with cohort one yet and I've still got cohort three to go so from my point of view I get a lot of joy from this I give a lot I give a lot of energy but I get so much back and yeah just seeing the way in which people are able to bring more of themselves into their careers and, and things like that is is so so rewarding and it's lovely to watch but yeah Okay, that's it. Thank you so much, both of you, for the conversation. I know that this is going to be really helpful to lots of different types of organisations and also members and employees that are going to listen to this are are probably going to enjoy hearing your reflections on it and and how you think it's really supported the IMECI in general. But yeah, thank you very much. Thank you, Zoe. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, we've loved talking to you. Look forward to further conversations. (laughs) Thanks. Bye. Bye. Sadly, that's all we've got time for today. I'm sure you would have loved to have got even more advice from Joan Bims and the Institution of Mechanical Engineers there. But we've got some really great takeaways. There's definitely some advice I think that other employers can really take on board to really think about how to get their diversity and inclusion strategy off the ground. Obviously, learning is a great way to do it, but there's also some other tips that we were just given there. So please take them away, use them with your employees and see if you can really make a difference, not just internally within your organisation, but also within the communities that you do serve. It's really, really powerful, the work that can be done if we really put our minds to it.